Hmm. This is taking longer than normal. We're waiting for something to happen. What's going on upstairs? Now we're ready. Thank you. That's going to be an interesting beginning to the video. But that's okay. Um, Welcome once again. As we continue on, actually, we're continuing, but it's it's sort of an interesting review time. Because we're going to get back to talking about the Ministry of Encouragement, which is something we've been talking about for months. We took a little break over the Christmas holidays and talked about the meaning of Christmas because that just seems prudent. But I thought we would uh, hit this moment, and uh, the title of the message for uh, today is A Look Backwards and Forwards. And we'll sort of do a little review on what we've talked about so far with regards to the Ministry of Encouragement. And then I'll just talk briefly about where we're taking it. And where we're going. And I, I think it's fitting too because um, we have some of our, uh, you know, people that come with us uh, that are here during the winter primarily that might not have heard some of the beginning stuff about the Ministry of Encouragement. So I want to talk about that. Um, and speaking about up north and everything and, uh, you know, how cold it was last week and then all the snow up north reminded me of one of my favorite really old bad jokes that I haven't told in years. But, but, uh, but some of you are new enough you might not have heard it at the time. And I thought I would talk, and so if you know the answer to this, don't, don't shout it out, because you might remember it. But, but let's, let's let the newer people be just as upset as you were when I first told it. Here it is. What did one snowman say to the other snowman? Do you smell carrots? <laughs> That's a hilarious joke. And if, if you don't get it, ask someone to explain it to you. That's the same reaction I got the first time I told it. But people, after the, and, and actually, when the first time I told it, throughout the, the message, after every couple of minutes, someone would go, Oh! <laughs> if you didn't get it, just keep pondering it. Do you smell carrots? Snowman, you'll put it together. Okay. <sighs> so bad. Um. You know, also, I talked about how at the end of the year, you know, it's a great time to reflect. In the beginning of a year, people are getting it now, so you can't tell on the video, but they're back there going, ah, that's funny. Um, I, I've spent, you know, some time reflecting. I got this new Bible. But this, I like new Bibles. And uh, I like old Bibles. I just like Bibles. Um, and it's a, it's a C.S. Lewis commentary Bible. And C.S. Lewis is one of my favorite authors, so it's a neat little Bible. And I started reading the writings along with the, and uh, he said something profound. And, and, and every, there's usually something that hits me that seems very profound to me that sticks with me for a long period of time. And then you end up hearing it all the time. You know, little things that come to me like living by doing the next right thing that you hear like every time I talk. Because it, it hits me as being a very profound and yet very simple statement. All right. So I'm reading C.S. Lewis. And he, he's doing a little commentary on Genesis 3, which is the fall. And, and, you know, and the problem was that the enemy enticed them that they would be like God. And that's the problem that we have. And he made this statement in there. And, and uh, I, I'm paraphrasing now. Um, but it fits, it fits perfectly with this other thing that I say all the time is that we're part of his story. If you've been here, you, you hear me say that all the time. We are part of his story. Okay. But here's the statement that Lewis made was that... Um, we, we often struggle to be nouns 
But the reality is we were created to be adjectives. And, and so think about it for a minute. You know, there's the, a, a noun is a person plays a thing. Adjectives are describing words. Okay. And, and so that was Adam and Eve's. That's what got them in trouble was they wanted to be a noun, but they were supposed to be adjectives. Okay. Well, now, if you fit that in with his story, see, we're all a part of his story. But in his story, he's the only noun. Everything else is an adjective. Now, why do I think that's so profound? We're all adjectives. Our struggles almost always have to do with wanting to be nouns. And, and almost all our interpersonal struggles and all that stuff are struggles over wanting to be a noun. And yet you're, you're involved in a story in Christ where there's only one noun. You're an adjective. And so every, everybody else, like you, we're all just adjectives. And it's not bad. A story needs adjectives to be a good story. So you're an important part of the story. You're just not the main part. You're not the noun of the story. And, and to me, I started thinking about everything in those ways. And it just, it, it's one of those things that intrigues me because it starts to make all sorts of sense. Because most of our struggle, if you start thinking about it, you will find that a lot of your struggles have to do with you trying to be a noun when you're supposed to be an adjective. And what I'm going to start encouraging you is to just be the best adjective that you can be. But you don't compare yourself to the other adjectives because in that, as soon as you start doing that, you start getting a little nounish. So, we're not going to do that. We're just going to be adjectives. And everybody's an adjective. And, and so, they're just, they just, hopefully they're trying to be the best adjective they can be. And you be the best adjective you can be by living, by doing the next right thing. And remember that you are part of his story, but there's one noun in the story, and that's him. And they were adjectives. I think that's going to be very helpful as we develop that over the course of the year. So, um, I want to talk about the Ministry of Encouragement, in particular the Encouragers Plan that we've been developing. Let's get way back to the, the quick basics. We'll run through this fairly quickly, although there's a lot of blanks I know in your notes. We'll see how long it actually takes. But uh, I, I want to get through this and, and sort of get everybody up to date. The Ministry of Encouragement is uh, it's about encouraging. And encourage is a compound word, N, which means to put in or into, and the word courage, which means brave, strong, or confident. In effect, to encourage literally means to put courage into someone. And so the ministry of encouragement would be to put courage into people to ultimately trust and obey God because he loves them. That's the founding point of the ministry of encouragement. If you take the prefix dis and add it to a word, it, it just reverses the meaning of the word. So uh, people that are discouraged or to discourage someone means actually to take their courage away. And, and, and so it, it, being around someone that's encouraging is very uplifting. Being around somebody that's discouraging is the exact opposite. And so, so we believe that uh, we're to be encouragers. And that it's a, the, the world's a very discouraged place. And that this ministry is founded in the Bible, and we've looked at it, and we'll look at some scriptures again. Um, but in the New Testament, this word that we use for trans, uh, the, that we translate encourage is the word parakaleo, uh, a Greek compound, um, para or para meaning beside or near or alongside, and kaleo, which means to call or to summon. And so the, the paraclete, which is a, the word that we use for the Spirit of God, um, is, is, means, is translated also encourager, someone that comes alongside and brings comfort, hope, 
encourage. And so this is the idea behind the ministry of encouragement, that we're to enter into uh, the world and with one another and encourage and lift one another up. So to found that and to give it a foundation, we've developed this thing called the encourager's plan. And that um, I've been saying to you for months that, that I feel like the best way to implement the ministry of encouragement is two simple things. It's by being thankful every day for five things and encouraging two people. Being thankful, that gets your focus right, and then getting out there and encouraging people um, makes it so it's not all about you. You get that you're part of his story, and getting out there and doing the stuff is the best way to be an adjective, the way you're supposed to be. All right? And when we're not out, and if we let the focus become about us, what are we becoming? Nouns. So, there you go. I told you I'd be using that. Um, <clears throat> and so, this this concept of the encourager's plan is to help us um, remember to do those two simple things. To be thankful for five things and encourage two people every day. Along the way, you know, we've given you other stuff. We've got these bracelets. We'll get, there, should be out, there should be some back there. If not, we'll put some more out there. Uh, we're not supposed to call them bracelets. Wristbands. Because real men don't wear bracelets or something. I don't know. Um, wristbands. And uh, it says thankful five and encourage two. And every day I start with one of these on this wrist. And when I've been thankful for five things and encouraged two people, I move it over. It's a way for me to remember to see what I've done, to, to make sure I'm staying focused. But we're giving you all sorts of other things to do just that. And so um, let's look at the encouragers' plan so far because we're almost done. We've done four out of the five things. And then we'll talk briefly about where we're going with it next. So the, the first blank in your notes there is to get focused, to get focused. And... All along the way, I've been encouraging you to memorize Scripture. You have or you haven't, you know, it's, it's okay. But if you have, good, because it's going to be helpful in your day-to-day life. If you haven't, it's not too late to go back and learn it. Maybe that's something you can do this year. Bible memorization is a very important thing, and it's very good for your brains. And so, um, go back and learn it. If you haven't, I learned all these things a week at a time, a verse at a time, just like I encourage you to. And then... I try and remember them and get back to them, or else you forget them. I've figured that out, too. So we'll see how well I do today as I try and, and remember these um, with you. But the first one is Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. And it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. To me, those verses sort of encapsulate um, all sorts of things about life. That's why I think it's so important. And it helps us to get our priorities right and get centered in right away on what, what this is all about and where we find life. We have this amazing uh, priest in Christ and that we, as we begin to dwell on him, um, that, that we, we hold on, on swervingly to the hope we have and that he gives us ministry uh, right there. As, the, as you see the day approaching of his return, get out and encourage people. And so we, we've taken that to heart 
along the way. Now, the ministry of encouragement is so important, um, and there's a lot of reasons, but there's two I want you to remember. The first, and this is your A, is that we live in a very grumpy world. We live in a grumpy world. And way back when I started this message, this was sort of the, the foundational thing, in that um, I, I believe that it's, it's so grumpy because we're caught in this 24-hour bad news trap. And that it's constant and never-ending. And that because of that, they take every story possible and overdo it and spin it to make it worse so that you stay tuned in. Ultimately, watch commercials spend more money. I mean, that's the bottom line of it all. But that's this thing. And I believe it's impacted our entire culture in, in ways like we haven't before. There was, you know, um, when I was younger, news was pretty much a half hour a day in the newspaper. And that was it. And there was only so many stories that you got. And there was a little time delay, so they couldn't overwhelm you with it. Um, but now it's every little thing breaking all the time, and it's got us sort of trapped. And it makes us grumpy and fearful. And, and so the, the reason the ministry of encouragement is so important is that, that people need to be encouraged. They need to know there's good news out there, that there's something else. The second reason I think it's so important that God has called us to it is that it's a ministry for everyone. Absolutely everybody can be involved in the ministry of encouragement. Everybody in the church. It, it, it should be a 100% follow-through. Because God will use whatever your gifting mix is in the ministry of encouragement, and so everybody gets to be a part. You know, other ministries are, are governed by, you know, all sorts of other things. Gifts, talents, all those other things. But the ministry of encouragement is just a willingness to hop into this very foundational ministry in the Bible. And in uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4, I, I, I'll tell you why you're qualified. I, I put Steve's paraphrase in there because I changed the word um, that is... Um, is in there as uh, courage uh, to encourage. No, that's not the word I used. I, I changed one of the words, but it's the same root word in the process. And it says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all... The word was comfort. I changed it to encouragement. Same word, same root word. The God of all encouragement, who encourages us in all our troubles so that we can encourage those in any trouble with the encouragement we ourselves have received from God. See, because he's ministered to us and he has, we can encourage other people. And so we are all fundamentally equipped by the Spirit for this ministry. And so it's a ministry for everyone. And so we start by thinking about that, by getting focused and seeing the need in the world around us, and then having a willingness to step into it. The second part of our encouragers plan then is to give thanks. And, and I, we call this the thankful five. Um, this is where I encourage you every day to be thankful for at least five things. I think it's important that you do it first thing in the day. This is a great way to get the day started. But whenever is it's better than nothing. But, but it changes our focus and perspective. Otherwise, we tend to think about, instead of what we're thankful for, we think about either what we don't have or the mess that we're in or whatever, and we get off track really fast. So there's something about starting with the things that you've been blessed by. And I always say five. Five is good. Um, if you're still not feeling great after five, do ten. <laughs> Can't hurt anything. Uh, do, do fifty. I don't Whatever it takes. But get your focus changed in the process. And we talked about... Um, 
being thankful. And we use Philippians 4, 4 through 8 as the model for that. And uh, I, I encourage you to memorize it. Some of you did, some didn't. But if you haven't, I'd still encourage you to go back because I want you to be able to use these verses at all times and allow the Spirit of God to quicken them to you as you need them. And so Philippians 4, 4 through 8 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And that those verses um, help us to get this idea of being thankful in place and in the process. And we talked about, uh, as you look down through A, B, and C there, um, that, that this allows us to maintain our joy. We talked about maintaining our joy. And that, that you know, the... Uh, the idea behind maintaining our joy is that we have to be vigilant about our tendency to be Pharisees. That um, we, we usually and often quite easily slip into being very judgmental and, and critical and that we, we have to keep our priorities right and, and get to know Jesus better uh, in helping us to maintain our joy. Um, we, we talked about the idea that being thankful is, keeps us uh, and helps us to reduce stress in our lives. That the be there is stress reduction. Because um, when we're being thankful and counting on God, we, we, um, we don't need to carry it and get stressed. Give me that slide, guys. It should say B in stress reduction. Did it come up? There we go. Stress reduction. And we've talked about worry a lot. And that instead of worrying, you need to pray. And then I taught you my anxious prayer. And, and hopefully you got it by now. But if not, I'll tell it to you again. It's, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. And so, oh God, times, how many ever times you need to say it? I go more than four times quite often. You think it's funny, but see, it's a trigger for me to remember that worry doesn't work. Prayer does. And so, mostly that's just stopping me and getting me focused so I can move into some sort of reasonable prayer along the way. And then we talked about the importance of thinking God's way. And I said, that's, that's C, thinking God's way. And, and I said that, the, the, the best way I know to do that is to stop when and then thinking. And that, that when and then thinking impacts almost everybody I've ever known. And that what when and then thinking is, is when this happens, then this, then this, then, then, then I'm gonna, and it's, then that doesn't work that way. When and then thinking keeps you trapped and stuck. And I said, it keeps you from maintaining, having any joy. Because you're always thinking, well, when this finally happens, then I'll be able to be happy. Then I'll have some joy. And it doesn't work. So what, where's your trap? What are you stuck on? What, see, and we almost use it like a fist in the air to God that says, you know, well, when this happens, then finally, yeah, okay, I'll be happy. It's not that we're not supposed to have longings. It just can't be that we put off life until the longings happen. So, so look at the when and then thinking. And that being thankful helps you do that. Be thankful for at least five things every day. Third, we talked about the importance of getting connected. And we talked about getting connected uh, to God, and we used as the model for this, uh, the foundation for this, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Mostly we're really happy about this one because you knew it. 
and uh, it was easy for you to to remember it. And and it says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And uh, in that series, we talked about the fact that, that the Lord's Prayer was never intended as just some words that we speak but is actually a model for prayer. And we broke it down um, uh, into numerous parts as we learned about it. And, and um, the highlights of that are that you need to know, and this is the A, that God is a loving Father. We talked about how important it is to know that when you approach God that you, you, you know, the picture, I hope that your picture is that you run to Him and, and you see Him as a daddy who picks you up and loves you and, and looks forward to you welcoming him. We stuck a picture out in the foyers. I don't know how many of you stopped at the wall and looked at it. And, and um, I liked it for a couple of reasons. It's a picture of me and my grandson. So, so that's just cool. But, but the, the, the picture sparked. See, that's my picture when I'm with my heavenly daddy. And if you, if you haven't seen the picture, go look. I got, I got my grandson in my arms. We're just looking at each other face to face and we're laughing. And, and it's my, it's, it's, it, when I saw it, see a lot of people say, oh, that's a great picture. It is a great picture. But when I saw it, it clicked with me. Well, that's, that's me and my papa. Now, I know it's my grandson, but you'll get the idea. And, and it's the, how it's supposed to look. And I hope that's your picture of God. Because that's what it needs to be. Or else you won't approach him right. You won't relate to him the way that you need to. And that, that what we're to do is, and I said that earlier, we live uh, living by doing the next right thing. That this is the underlying concept. Uh, and part of this prayer is it was broken down um, for knowing his will and, and doing things his way uh, and having his way happen is that we just try and live by doing the next right thing. And that, that, that's the, the foundation. We, we do the, Every day you've got lots of choices. Lots of them. And he gave you free will, which is a huge deal. And you get to choose whether you're going to do the right thing or the not right thing. And that the idea is you do the right thing, and you do the right thing, and you do the right thing. And that you build on that. And yet, because we're all human, at some point, you will choose not to do the right thing. It's sin. It happens to all of us. But that if you have this picture of a loving daddy, that you don't mess around, you don't go to guilt and shame, let the enemy beat you all up with it and everything. You just turn right around, and you go like that to him. Let him scoop you up and say, Daddy, I'm sorry. I, I messed up. I sinned. Will you forgive me? He says, of course I forgive you. He squeezes you and loves you. Sets you down says, now go do the next right thing. That's life for us. That's what it's peace to be. Um, we talked about the fact that he provides for our needs. Physically, spiritually, relationally, and eternally. And that was the give us today our daily bread part. We talked about forgiveness. And, and uh, you know, it's forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. Uh, just so, I mean, that's bottom line, important in the Christian walk. Uh, lots of stuff hinge on not only us understanding that we are forgiven, but then extending forgiveness to others. I used a little example of wash, rinse, repeat. I don't know if you remember. If you didn't, go back and watch these messages. You should. If none of these are, are hitting you. Um, that, that, uh, that's how I always approach that part of the prayer with God. Just wash, rinse, repeat when, it, when it's on me. Um, I ask him to search me and, and get the dirt up. Uh, to the surface. 
And then, and then I ask him to, to rinse it away as I ask for forgiveness, and he does. And then the repeat part is that if it's a recurring sin, not only do I go back and ask for forgiveness, but it, I need to realize that I'm not getting any victory over it, that I need to begin to confess it to another person and get it into the light so that the enemy can't have it beat me over it with it anymore. And people go, do I have to do that to be forgiven? No, of course not. But you often have to do it if you want to get over it, past it, through it, by it, and away with it, and done with it in your life. So something to consider about forgiveness. And then, you know, we need to forgive others, and there's a lot of that uh, in that message that, that if you don't understand forgiveness, and, you know, I, I talked about the fact that oftentimes we don't, Forgive because we, we have a little twisted idea of justice, and I, I gave a pretty big talk about that, um, and I don't want to summarize that. If you, if you didn't hear it and you need to hear about forgiveness, go and find that message in the series um, that was called Get Connected. It's like the fourth one in that series. Okay, and then um, we talked about avoiding temptation in that series as well, and... and uh, I said you need to look at your pattern of temptation, that all of us have this thing. All, you know, that, that there's a, if you start thinking about it, there's this set of things that puts itself in place before you fall. And, and uh, um, if you can identify it, you can do something different. And that the answer isn't... Re- See, because too many people think it's resist. <clears throat> a lot of people will make resolutions this, this time of the year that have to do with resistance. And seriously, resistance is futile. <laughs> It's futile because it doesn't work. You're not strong enough. You're just not. So our resolutions don't work. And that's not how God calls us away from temptation. Instead of resist, you know what you need to do? Change your focus. That's his method. Change your focus. Think about something different. Go back and think about Philippians 4.8. Change your focus. And, and, and I taught you a prayer for this, too. Um, because it says God will provide you a way out. When you feel like you're about to fall into your temptation and sin, do you remember the prayer I taught you? Very good. Some of you remember it. If you didn't hear that, write this down. Help! And he does. He really does. It's so cool that way. Fascinating. Fourth, take your stand. Take your stand. So, so you know, in, in thinking about this in the, in, in the encouragement sense... You know, we get we get focused and we go, okay, but I understand the need for this ministry and why I'm supposed to do it. And then we get ourselves right by being thankful. And then um, and and then we we pray. That get connected part was actually about encouraging you to pray and get get connected to God. And then we take a stand. We we say, okay, yeah, I'm in. I'm gonna. I, I get it. I'm in for the ministry, God. I I want to go and do what you told me to do. Let me get out there and be the best adjective that I can be for you. And we use as the foundation for this Ephesians 6, 12 through 18. And Ephesians 6, 12 through 18 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, and the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth, buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows 
of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. That um, God is calling us to take a stand in a very discouraged and fearful world. And, and I said that there were some things that, that we really need to be willing to stand for. That we have to stand up to evil. That's the A. And that in order to really stand up to evil, that you have to know the answer to the big question of life. The big question of life is, who do you say Jesus is? And that the only answer, and it's given to us in the Bible, is that Jesus is Lord. He's the Christ. He's the Messiah. That's the only acceptable answer. Anything short of that, you'll never be able to stand up to evil. You can't say he was a good guy, a good teacher, a good prophet, because he was more than that. He was the Christ, the, the Messiah, the anointed one, the one who is to come. You have to know the answer to that in order to stand against evil. If you don't know that, and if you even are, are messing around with that, you get distracted. And it's one of the enemy's favorite tricks. He loves to distract people. He does it all the time. And, and he does it with political correctness and all sorts. Those are all enemy tactics so that you can't get to the truth. And, and yet, just so you know that you've heard it, there's one question final at the end of this life. That's it. Who do you say that Jesus is? Your answer has eternal impact. That's all I can tell you. And you've been given the answer. Jesus is Lord. He's the Messiah. He's the Christ. And we live that out accordingly. And we stand up to evil when we do. We need to stand alongside the broken. And we, we dug into this and, and, and we started talking about these ideas because of, this, of the um, spiritual weaponry we have. Truth and righteousness gives us integrity. That we need to be a people of integrity. That, that there's all sorts of opportunities to not have integrity in the world. We need to stand in uh, truth and righteousness and be a people of integrity. Not self-righteous like the Pharisees. Not judging people on a sin scale, which is, you know, what I said one of our favorite tricks is. That we have sin scales. And if you've never heard me talk about that, it's not a theological definition. It's a Steveism that that says that that we kind of tend to look at sin differently. That there's little sins and great big sins, and that every culture has great big sins that they label on people. That but biblically, sin is sin, and yet gossip is considered by the church primarily as we don't we don't we don't care about it enough to stop. And yet, you know, um, we in biblically, it's as big a sin as all of them. And so we, we have this thing that we have to think about and that we have to make sure that we're not treating people based on the cultural labels that the church at any given age has given them. In the, in the time of Jesus, um, the Pharisees were, remember it was the tax collectors. They were the sinner of sinners. They hated them because they worked for Rome and they considered them traitors. They, they would rather hang out with murderers and tax collectors. The church today has its own labeled groups of people that we don't want anything to deal with, and yet it's not the call in our lives. And that we need to be careful that we don't relate to people based on labels that we've tried to put on them from the sin scale. And that how Jesus did it was, it doesn't mean that sin's okay, because it's not. But you always deal with people based on the beauty of their potential. You have to look at them and see the beauty of their potential. That's That's what God does. And minister from that way. We stand against fear because we have peace and faith. And the simple way to remember to do that is always keep God in the equation. 
We stand with Jesus. Uh, um, because salvation and the Word give us life. And the Word of God prepares us for the life He's called us to. And when we stand in love. We stand in love. Um, and that the motivation for our lives ultimately has to be love. All of this has to be based in love. And that's what the next series is about. Is uh, I'm going to call it what the world needs now. And it will be the foundation for us going out and actually encouraging people. And that, that for that, we'll be memorizing 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 over the next period of time together. It says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hope, always perseveres, love never fails. So that's where we're headed. That's the look forward. The other stuff was to look backward. Get involved in the ministry of encouragement. Simple. Be thankful for five things every day. Encourage two people. If you haven't ever gone to the encourage2.com website, go to help you. Do this first part. It really will. Because it sort of makes you do it when you don't feel like it. So go and check it out. And we'll stop there because I knew that was going to take longer than I expected. And that's the review. Let's pray. If you're watching my video, thanks for watching. Williston, guys, we love you. We'll see you. All right, you can kill the video. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for who you are.